Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part B. So this is one of the very first recorded episodes of gossip. Do you understand that? All of the writings between Adam and Eve, going all the way through the murder trial, all of the stuff leading up, you know, the crazy stuff that happened to some of the descendants, this, that, all the way up to Noah. We have no story in there, at least I could not find one, that was a story recorded on gossip. And now all of a sudden we have our first gossip. Gossip may be about your brother, may be about your sister, may be about your neighbor, but that's not where the fun is. The fun is destroying a leader of God. It's destroying a father of a household. It's destroying the president of a nation. That's where the fun is, is defiling a father. But I guarantee you, God's not going to set idle, listener, if you defile a leader. We need to talk about it. The Hebrew word translated for gossip, as we learned in the past, is lejhara. In the Old Testament, it's defined as the one who reveals secrets, a familiar family traitor. This is what Judas was, obviously. We spent a great deal of time on that topic of what was the greatest thing that Jesus had to face. It was the betrayal of Judas. Pretending to be a family member, he was nothing but a traitor. A gossiper is a person who has privileged information about people and proceeds to reveal that information to those who have no business knowing it which means Ham's brothers had no business knowing, having any knowledge of their father being naked. You see, this is the first reinforcement we find in the scripture of what is required of us by Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, when he said, go to your brother privately. If he does not listen, take one more. This is where this is coming from. It has always been a standard of God, but that is not what Ham did. So instead of Ham conducting the kaf, a bet, to cover the father with honor, he uncovered his father's honor by revealing a secret, becoming a traitor against his father by making the father's sin known to his brother, thus requiring his own father to curse him, kala, meaning to devour from behind, to bite from the rear. 
It's like letting your dog go, who is violent and vicious, on your neighbor after he walks off your porch. That's a coward. You see, people who cannot face their circumstances are cowards unless they have Jesus Christ within them, motivating them to move them to face these difficult things. 602-292-2982. Ham was a coward. If you do not follow the biblical guidelines on how to deal with a father, with a president, with your pastor, with any leader who is classified in the Hebrew as a father, in the Hebrew, father does not mean the father of your seed or you as a seed. It does not mean that. A father is a representative appointed by God to represent God the Father in that representation. That could be anyone from our president to your pastor to your actual father or anyone who is fulfilling that role. Ham lost it that day. This is the Old Testament's version of Paul turning such a one over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. To give you a perspective on the Jewish beliefs of gossip damages the generation, the consequences of Ham is still and will continue to be in our generations. Ham is the father of the Babylonians. If you have studied your Bible, you're going to discover something that's rather alarming. The Babylonians are only several generations out from Ham. Ham decided to come down from that Turkish mountain, and he settled in the land where Babylon started. And Nimrod put together a community of people that decided if they crawled to the top of a tower together, laying aside all of their individual religious beliefs, that somehow they would get something accomplished and put God in his place. Now, I don't know how high they got up on that tower, but I do know this. God stopped it. And you children who are running around defiling your mothers and fathers and your pastors and your presidents, I'm going to pray for you because God will not tolerate it. You think we have a loving God that overlooks your sin? You don't know God. God does not overlook sin unless he gives you this filter This filter is called Jesus Christ. And if you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit into your life, this filter becomes a part of your life. And literally, he does not see your sin anymore. And each sin that you commit on a daily basis, he only sees that particular sin. But if you're an indwell believer, it is not held against you. But Colossians 3.25 says, He who does wrong will receive the consequences 
of that which they do wrong and that without partiality. In other words, if I choose to sin, there's going to be natural ramifications of this. And God will bring them to me. It's called the downward spiral. So here's Ham, the father of Babylon. And the Babylonians, to those of you who understand a little bit about history, are the Islamic people. These are the descendants of Ham. Let's take a look at this a little deeper. The ramifications of dishonor. This story that we're talking about is yet to be shown in the full imagery of what the consequences are from Ham's decision. It's not consequences from Noah's decision. Noah was righteous in what he did. He separated his sons because he knows how sin works. He actually put a statement of prophecy in there that you know there's come a day where your Islamic descendants are going to serve the Jews. Go tell that to an Islamic person. I have. It'll create a war. It's in the news every day. It will continue to be in the news every day. Now, the, the passage in Revelation says this. And the winepress was trodden outside the city. And blood came out from the winepress. Up to the horse's bridles. For a distance of 200 miles. I want to give you a perspective. Here's this perspective of 200 miles. Now this battle kicks in on your right side looking at this diagram and the blood actually pours down through that valley. It's up away a little bit from the river and blood starts pouring out and for two Hundred miles. You got the Dead Sea right there in the center. Right up from the Dead Sea is where the great battle took place between David and Goliath. There will be a battle back there again like David and Goliath. David represented Jesus Christ as the figure during this generation. And the Goliath was from what group, what culture? Philistines, and the Philistines were from where? Keep tracing it back. Babylonians. You see, we find all of the top ten stories in the Old Testament taking place in or around this valley. We also find something very curious is that the top 10 stories are also have something to do with the battle between Japheth and Shem, who are together, and Ham, who they are against. Because Ham refused to follow. Stay with me on this. Ham refused to honor his father's request and say, you shall serve, you and your people shall serve your 
brother Shem. Not on my watch, it's not. This has happened between brothers. I can tell you this story as I would talk about Joseph. I can tell you the story. Every story seems to find this conclusive story in it. So there will be another David and Goliath war in that stretch. 200 miles of blood. You say, ah, big deal. Well, it may not be a big deal to you, but it's not going to change the reality. And that's why I'm always surprised when people send their opinions to me that's opposite of the scriptures. And they think for some reason, and I said this to a guy, we were in this little discussion in a bathroom, believe it or not. And I threw out this little piece about, you know, scripture and blah, blah, blah. And he had a definite opinion on it. And I said, you know, I don't know this guy from Adam. I'm just going to go ahead and and give him the word. And so I said to this guy, well, what's interesting to me is that humans think that this tiny little brain can decide on what God means by what God says instead of the other way. It stopped him. Turns around and looks at me and goes, Yeah, that's true. It's like humans. Who do we think we are when we have an opinion about a father? Or who do we think we are when we have an opinion about a country? Or who do we think we are when we have an opinion about the end times? Who cares what your opinion is? If it does not align itself with the thoughts of God through Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit in you, it doesn't matter to me. You can talk all day long. And it's just jabbering excuses. Unless it lines with the power of God. And the only way I know that, and that's what I said to him. The only way for me to know that is the word of God. Well, he says, well, I'm certainly of the word of God. Really? You see, people aren't used to fronting, coming face to face with lies. And Ham absolutely refused to accept truth from his father. And now, there's a battle coming, not too long from now, that is basically Ham getting in the face of the father saying, enough's enough. I'm going to win this battle once and for all. And Jesus is like, I'm ready. Of course, they're all expecting the Jesus of grace. You see, that's what's going to throw them off. They're all expecting the nice, nice Jesus of grace who never spoke a harsh word. Not on lap two. You see, this is going to take a real man. It's going to take a man of dignity. It's going to take a man of color. It's going to take a man of weaponry. It's going to take a full-on man that's representing his Abba, who stayed so focused in being loyal and displaying honor to his Abba 
And I just had this sneaky suspicion of something. There's a verse that says, and those who endure to the end, those shall be saved. I've just got this sneaky suspicion that the ones that are truly going to demonstrate real salvation, not their fancy ministries, not their fancy talk, not their fancy displays of kindness, but I think the the real deals are the ones that are going to be able to look at Jesus and say, I was faithful to the Father through all of my fathers. 602-292-2982. Get this. Japheth is the one that settled Europe. Those are the Europeans. Those are the white boys. White and yellow. Shem is the one who settled Israel. And the reason why that there's such a huge problem with the Shemites is very simple. The promised land was given to to Shem. So then Ham's people started there over in Iraq and they kind of moved their way down south and they formed this horrifically ungodly culture called Egypt. Then there was this lady that became a descendant out of Egypt and what was her name? She was a great maid. Hagar. And because another man in his frail humanness decided to make a decision that was going to affect the rest of humanity to the very end, here we got it again. And what he does is he mixes seed and blood. A descendant of Egypt And he has been given a promise. And of course, that didn't go well because he panicked over his flesh, over his nakedness. So he has relations with Hagar. And of course, she gives birth to Isaac. No, Ishmael. And then of course, Sarah starts freaking out. Because there's a woman in camp that's got her husband's firstborn. And of course that turns into, honey, chase her in this desert. Now. So he does. She's out there crying and moaning and, you know, this is a horrible situation. You know, he broke his promise and whatever. The Lord actually shows up and says the promise is intact. Because God's not going to change his mind. The promise that went to Abraham was his seed. Abraham chose to put that seed in the enemy. And that seed gave birth. The consequences that come with his decision because of nakedness is on the news tonight. It was in that valley that David and Goliath were fighting that day. It was in that valley. It was in every other story, top ten story in the Bible. 
bummer. And it's still not over. So you have these three cultures. They're cultures. Got a European culture. And you have a a Hamite type of culture, the Islamic culture. And you have Shem, who are these, you know, that circle's kind of shrunk, I'm afraid. <laughs> the numbers are, are shrinking with uh, Shem's people, but that's okay. God can still whoop them all with a very small amount of true bloodline Shemites. I got grafted in to being a Shemite. Did you know that? So did you. Why? Because that's what Japheth represents, Gentiles. And the promise that was given to Japheth, hang out with your brother and you'll have all the same favor, was the very first prophetic sign of salvation through Christ Jesus and the bride of Christ being grafted in to the Jews. I am a Jew. These three cultures are going to come together again. After the great earthquake, someone please tell me what's going to happen to Israel. The land will be divided into three sections. Yes, this is real. This is a real story that's going to become a real event. There's going to be a great earthquake. And that earthquake is going to divide Israel into three chunks of land. I'm not lying to you. These three chunks of land, guess who's going to take ownership of each little chunk? The descendants of Japheth, the Catholic nation. The descendants of Shem, the Jews. That's the piece I'll be on. And then the descendants of Ham, and that's going to be the Islamic nation. Then that battle I just showed you is going to kick in full gear. And Christ shall finish it. Don't tell me honor is not important. Don't tell me dishonor is not generational. So Shem and Japheth showed great honor. And as for the two brothers, they took a garment which is simla, which means remnant, the same word used in the remnant of Israel and covered their father's honor. This was a prophetic action that was occurring. These two boys literally were preserving the mission given to their father to establish Israel in later generations. Secondly, they walked in backward and covered the nakedness, the erava, meaning disgrace, Because of Shem and Japheth protecting their father's mission, Noah turned around and blessed them with the hope and the promise of future generations. I'm standing here tonight. Shem being the leader and the forefather to Israel, Japheth, future generations, Gentiles, are given the privilege of serving, indwelling in the tents of Israel, while Ham's people will be servants to Israel. If you don't believe me, talk to an authentic 
Muslim. If there's anything they despise the most, and that is serving a Jew. 602-292-2982. I have a very active, very proactive listener in Iran. I hear from them at least eight, ten times a week. Any listener who is listening right now, I'm asking you to please pray for this relationship that I'm working on. But I'm telling you, the evil that comes forth, only God understands that. But see, this person knows that I'm telling the truth. This person knows that I'm scratching at their culture. This person knows I'm scratching at their history because they tell me so. How did you know this? How did you find this out? Listener in Iran, the living God tells me these things through the word of God. This is common sense kindergarten stuff we're connecting here tonight. It doesn't take a genius in or outside of Christ to understand this. It only takes the Holy Spirit. The people grafted into the true bloodline of Shem are the born-again Christians. This defines the present war and rumors of wars taking place between the Islamic people, the people of Israel, and indwelt Christians. Closing with this slide, there's a golden key being offered to us in this passage. Exodus 20.12 says, Honor is the key to maintaining the, blessed, the blessings promised to us and prolong the days of our lives. Now here's the verse. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord, your God, gives you. God is all about land ownership for some reason. You mess with his land, you mess with him. I guess location, location, location is everything. So the Lord is making it clear that the promise of prolonged days is directly related to the starting position of honor, that of a child's father and mother. When a child honors the father and mother, they are respecting their own generations. Hope you caught that. When there is dishonor, it not only separates the child from their parents, but the blessings that come with their ancestor. If you can, if you can get your arms around the principle that when dishonor is taking place, it is literally separating you from the blessings coming in line that were promised to maybe your great, 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 great grandfather. You're literally affecting the downflow of blessings when you step out and become disrespectful towards your mother and father. It's a promise. God's not messing with your mind. He's telling you, if you want this blessing, you're going to have to stay engaged and connected to honor, honoring your father and your mother. 
If you do not know how to get back to your father and mother and get reconciled with them, I'm going to stop right now. Get your pencil. You hear me say this in the podcast, but write it down. 602-292-2982. Call that number. Text that number. We'll get you the steps. Seven simple steps on how to extend forgiveness to someone and how to seek forgiveness. And if you're a rebellious child, no matter how old you are, you need to go and make it right before it's too late. You may go to heaven when you die, you rebellious child, because you're indwelt, but you are denying the blessing, the inheritance, the generational blessing while you're still living today. You are denying yourself the blessing that God promises to give to children and generations who obey their father and mother. Call it crazy, call me crazy, but I'm not wrong because the scriptures are not wrong. So true honor is showing loyal affection toward their parents. Reverence, which means treating your parents as if they are of the reverent one, which means God. They're a representative of God. Reverent. And esteem them, which means consider them higher than yourself. And by yielding your obedience to them, Once these little pieces fall into place, the blessings kick in instantly. And giving them relief and assistance in all things in which their parents need. You see, there's there's this crazy thing about us old folks. We lose our ability to take care of ourselves. As most of you know, I've been going through adjusting to a hearing aid literally trying to adjust. They're trying to find the proper highs and lows to have, you know, me hear people again. You know, it's older age. And our bodies are falling apart. My wife just is on the other side of cancer treatment and I've had, you know, cancer and I don't know if it's going to come back and heart failure. I mean, these are frail bodies. Can you imagine walking into the sunset and not knowing that your children are going to be there for you? I know what that feeling is. Why? Because of betrayal. Because of this this doctrine that this generation has seemed to put out to most of our children and grandchildren. We've lost this. It's gone as a culture. In the 60s, unsaved people would respect reverends, pastors, teachers, parents. Not anymore. The youth today would just well have them dead, get the inheritance and get her done. So we have some serious problems on our hands because of a simple story that went bad. Oh, I can assure you all things work together for the good because God uses every single situation to reveal his prophecies. 
The next time you choose to sin and you get on your face before God and you say, God, what a stupid thing I did. He's not going to beat you into the ground. He's going to say, I have already forgiven you for that. I knew you were going to do it. You see, you can't shock or surprise a father. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, a righteous father anyway. There's something holy about the fact that if you're serving a righteous father, there's no surprises in it. It's kind of like, let's get her done. Let's move on. That's what the children of today are missing. So what are they doing? They become a self-effort, let's get her done type of generation in independence. Come back home, millennial, not to get the chicken and gravy and get your laundry done. Or maybe you need a new cell phone. Come back home and get reconciled with your parents. And receive the blessing once again. I personally believe God turns blessings on and off like a light switch. He doesn't do that with your salvation. He doesn't do that with your eternal security. He doesn't play those kind of games. But if you think you're going to receive a blessing when you're cursing your father, you are solely deceived. There are consequences to our decisions. Let's take a look at our identity matters statement. Here's a millennial fact for you. Since one of the primary sins of the millennial generation is parental dishonor, what we have on our hands is a generation that openly boasts of being game changers. Now you already know I'm a research nut. And I have volunteers, quite a few of them, who do research for me and give me the data. So a lot of the stuff you get, it's not me sitting around for 40, 50 hours a week just doing research on a lot of this kind of stuff. You too can be a volunteer for our ministry and do research for us and provide that data for writing and also live and podcast teachings. But this is where a lot of this stuff comes from. Real stuff. Real terms they're using in their communications. We are game changers. We don't like your game anymore. We're game changers. We're going to give you a new kind of leadership. We're going to give you a new kind of church. We're going to give you a new kind of politics. We're going to give you a new... They're game changers. It's actually a very serious statement. I believe them when they say that. Their level of dishonor is a global concern. Claiming a new kind of leadership, a new kind of church, a new kind of government, new kind of marriage, new kind of self-rule, and worse yet, a new kind of Christianity. Now you want to sit around and be lazy and lay back and let us preachers do all the work? If you want to sit there in your armchair and muddle over someone that you just can't forgive, have fun, because I'm not going to do it. We need to have workers step forward like never before and finally get out of themselves and decide to start getting the real gospel to the real people. 
and not the fake ones. Fake people don't listen to you. 602-292-2982. Text me if I'm lying. Real people are who we need to minister to. The fake ones will nod their heads yes and stick you in the back with a knife. They're fake. That is critical to understand. It's not that we don't try to give the truth to them. I'm just telling you the odds of them receiving it are nilch. Because they'll use it against you someday. Get back to your mommies. Get back to your daddies. And get reconciled with them. This is critical. This is only the beginning of our series. I did make a promise when we started this series a couple weeks ago. And that is, I will speak directly to the millennials. And I will speak directly to the parents. So that each can have the proper understanding of a back to a solid biblical understanding of parenting and its purpose and being a child and its purpose. Both have a generational purpose. been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.